Hello, everyone, and welcome to week nine of the NBC Sports Podcast. It's finals week here at Marist, but we're gearing up for an exciting um, second round matchup. Marist football has this Friday against Carver Columbus down in Columbus. Um, my name is Andrew Sullivan. I'm joined again by Connell Scruggs and J.P. Eisenhower. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about Marist football to begin with. Last week, Marist takes down Cedartown 42 to 22. Um, mainly I thought what won that game for Marist was an outstanding offensive product, uh, performance, especially by, uh, Connor Sigelski and then just turnovers. Uh, Cedartown was a little, um, turnover prone in that game. And that's eventually what got Marist the big win. Yeah. yeah. Connor Sigelski had one of the best games of his season, about 20 carries for 180 plus yards. He just played good fundamental football. He ran the ball hard as we'd seen all season. He just, we just got the production we needed out of him. And six touchdowns. He played incredible in this game, really bouncing back after that really heartbreaking loss to BT and that really bad throw. He really showed a lot more in this game. You saw why they give him so many carries in this game. He had production on every carry, and this offense is really looking great. My big concern, though, is now the secondary, which is not something I thought we'd be saying at this point, especially given how the secondary's played all year. I think that their secondary's definitely got to fix some things and... I think last week, though, they were a mainly running team. I don't think our secondary was expecting them to come out and throw no, a lot. not at all. And I think... And Jaden Johnson had a heck of a game. Best performance yeah, of his uh, season this year, I think, th- especially throwing the ball. I mean, I one thing, JP, about the secondary, they were injured. I mean, we had Josh Moore on 70% Do last Do you see that week. Charlie Fleming we play? We had Charlie Fleming. Yeah, he who came, was, he came off the field not as good as Cedric Washington. It was not a cramp. Cedric Washington, when he was coming around on a kick, he actually stepped directly on Charlie's yeah, ankle. It looked it really, really bad when you watched it, it on film. Bad. He had to come so, out and get it wrapped. Yeah, so both of those guys were um, slightly injured. And then another injury update. Uh, Derek McDonald, I think, is expected to be back this week. Just from defense. The, from the uh, wrist injury just defense likely this week, defensive end, probably not back at the tight end position. So Hayden Malding will be in for a lot of the game again this week. He had a good game last week, a couple of catches. Um, so he, he did well to replace that production from McDonald, but that the big key is McDonald is back on the defensive line. And uh, that's a big key this week is that defensive line needs to put a bunch of pressure on uh, the Carver Columbus offense. Another thing I thought last week um, that was good was just, spreading the ball around on offense. Definitely. Yeah, and I think last week you really saw a shift in mentality from Maris from last year to this year. It really turned towards more of an offensive team instead of last year, which really relied on their defense. It's not one player anymore either. Last year, Kyle Hamilton was our entire team. This year, you're seeing a lot more of a team effort and a lot more of a team-driven, especially with that offensive line. And with Matt, Matthew Houghton back as another receiver uh, to, to the outside, and you, you see he makes a lot of plays. He's pretty physical, so he, he can go up and get the ball, too. Uh, so anytime you can get him involved is good, too. And like you said, just spreading the ball around, getting a lot of people involved, it makes, makes it difficult for the defense to key in on one guy. JP, what do you think um, is most important for Maris this week going up against Carver Columbus? Their defensive line getting on the bus and showing up. That's about it. This Carver-Columbus offensive line is big and struggles with speed. Maris' defensive line has a lot of speed, and I think they're going to have a big impact on this game, especially because it seems like the only offensive lineman on that team that knows the snap count is the center. <laughs> You'll see them consistently not moving with the snap. You'll see them moving late. You'll see them already getting beat so they can't do anything, and you don't really know if they have good form or not or if they are good or not. 
because they're not getting off the ball. They're not doing the one simplest part of the entire thing, which is just standing up out of your stance. Yeah, and the communication too. It seems like at times the tackles have trouble picking up a guy. They seem sometimes just get beat and don't know who to who to block. They just kind of look lost. Um, and I think the speed rush by the Mayor's defensive line is probably the, the best thing that can come out of the defense this week. Yeah, and JP, you mentioned that defensive line. The one thing they do have is size. Um, Deontay Rozier, number 56, is over 300 pounds <laughs> on the interior. There's some on big the, guys. The interior, the, I believe he's a right tackle, but I mean, they're, they're huge on both lines. They just don't perform well. I don't know. They just, yeah. They're just they not executing. They, they're missing assignments. Their reactions are very bad on the offensive line. They need to sharpen up this week against that defensive line for Maris. But the one thing they do have is skill players galore. Sure. Um, that wide receiver core is stacked for Carver Columbus. They got a bunch of athletes on this team, and they're led by number 13, Josias Credle. Uh, this guy has a ton of D1 offers. He He's a um, senior wide receiver. He's tall. He's lanky. He can run fast. He can just beat you down the field. Um, they'd like to take deep shots with him, but he had offers from the likes of Oregon, South Carolina, um, Tennessee. He visited Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia did not get offers, but he's choosing to go to uh, UCF next year. So um, he's got a bunch of talent and all the other wide receivers. Um, number nine, uh, Dequavius Davis is another one to focus on. Yeah, and about Josiah's, you see that uh, the quarterback Devin Riles he he tends to underthrow the deep ball a little bit, but he'll he'll go up and bail him out because just because of his his vertical and his ability to go up and get the ball, and which is so important because defensive backs in high school don't always have the best vertical or athleticism or ball sense. So if he can go up and and bail his quarterback out a couple of times, it, it leads to big plays, and you saw that especially um, a couple of times in the film. Yeah, Devin Riles is not an incredible passer. He's not going to beat you with his arm, which is why Kiari McCoy, number six, is extremely important in the running back. He's a fast, explosive, physical guy. He has a lot of his yardage after contact. He ran for 279 yards and two touchdowns last week, which gives him 1,883 yards on the season. They want to feed him in this game, and they need to make sure that they don't get too far behind so they can continue to give him the ball. And you saw in one of the first drives in the tape, uh, they totally ran the ball. They didn't pass the ball at all and were able to score. And also, another thing I'd add about Kiari, he's a very patient runner. You see him um, wait behind the line just a second hesitation to find a hole. And I think that's that's a great skill in high school running backs. You don't see it all the time. Some of the times guys just try to pound the, um, the gap that they're told to run into. Um, but he's actually extremely patient, especially on the inside zones. He runs the ball very well, and he's athletic, too. He can hit top speed pretty quickly. Yeah, and moving to this defense, they have a lot of really great players in that front seven. A couple that stand out to me, number 43, Robert Reed. He's fast, he's a pure pass rusher, and he's a great tackler. He's always around the football, and he shows up at the, you'll see him on in the screen after every single play. He's always around the ball. Another, number 44, he's a fast pass rusher, Jalen Williams. He is my sleeper player for this game. And also another sleeper player would be 95, Marquan Merriweather. He's a freshman. He's 6'1", 250 pounds, and he's Ooh. really the one defensive lineman. He's one the one lineman that shows up to play and has a great motor. Yeah, and as far as their whole defensive line, they're not that impressive. They can get to the quarterback sometimes. Uh, 
and just generally talking about the defense, they run a lot of zone, just full zone. Uh, I saw cover three a lot and some cover two, but they do in goal line situations uh, and in the red zone, which is pretty typical, they run man and they mix it in. So I'd say about 70% zone, 30% man. Um, But in the zone, they actually execute it pretty decently, Um, but they tend to get beat in the middle and deep pretty pretty when they get beat that's what happens it's to the middle and deep yeah this defense they make a lot of great tackles they make strong tackles you're not going to see them missing any they get interceptions they get sacks and this is a defense that's really similar to last week as far as how they their defensive formation they also run a 4-3 wide nine which means that b-gap runs will once again be extremely important in this game so JP, what do you think's the key for Maris to get the uh, just running game in general going? Because that was the key last week to winning, I think. I think it's basically the same as last week. When you look at how they play defense, they're two very similar defenses. The B gap run on quarterback draws are is going to be incredible to watch because it's going to be wide open just like last week. You'll see him getting these big chunk plays, and maybe we'll see him breaking his own six touchdown record in this game. That'd be wow. exciting. <laughs> Back to back six touchdown games. That'd be. That would be a feat for sure. That'd be tough. Per- it's a tough. I don't perform- know if you get tough <laughs> performance. That. Hey, tough performance for Sigelski. Let's talk about the kicker, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, one more thing is, I think a a thing is if if um Carver was watching the film from last week, they'll or just knows about Maris, they'll know that Connor Sigelski broke out for six touchdowns last week. So that might be their defensive game plan is to just shut down Connor Sigelski. That's why those linebackers I mentioned, it's going to be extremely important for them to have a big game against Marist. So if if they do choose to shut down um, Sigelski, it's going to be big for um, Lincoln Parker and Thomas Rollauer, Brett Zoller, all to get the running game going, as well as um, Matthew Dumman. I mean, Lincoln Parker spends... Uh, time on the defensive line. So uh, for Matthew Dunman to come in and give him breaks too, uh, that's going to be a big key this week. And yeah, going back to what you said about the kicking game, um, it's a it's a struggle for uh, it's You can't Carver even call Columbus. it a struggle. When your kicker isn't even listed on your roster for anything that we've looked at <laughs> so far, you are not playing well. They are not even kicking extra yeah. points. They don't trust him so bad. <laughs> they don't I kick mean, extra points. You can see on kickoffs the kickoffs. Kickoffs are to the 30 or the 40. The kickoffs are like a dead duck. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's usually like. to the 30 unless it bounces and rolls, and then it's to the 20. That's that's one thing I'm sure Marist has practiced this week is all the pooch kicks, choose, picking out who they want to return them. I mean, you might see them sneak one of their... Uh, Return men up to the thirty. Just or you to might get... see them only have the return men at the thirty. Don't uh, even put anyone you past can't, the 30. You can't do that. You don't need to have but, them past the thirty. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and on the two point conversions, that's those are going to be big. If Carver Columbus starts scoring touchdowns, um, two point conversions, those are a free two points or a loss of two points right there. That's going to be big in this game. And um, and and any time Carver Columbus is. Uh, inside the 50, pretty much. If it, it gets to fourth down, they're going for it. Even Unless inside you, the 10, you wouldn't kick a field goal. No, they if won't. If you're not kicking they extra go, points, they then you're not getting They go for fourth down on, in, on the other side of the field Unless almost every punting, time. Unless they're punting, they won't. And then, then they punt sometimes. Uh, their punter is... Uh, he's decent. He's okay. He he averages probably 30 yards a kick, I think, about that. So um, he they can, have really good he punt can blocking, field, though. They do have good punt blocking. That's one thing you need and, to watch out for. They're going to definitely be blitzing Richard a lot on those punts, and he's going to have to get him out quick. And field position is going to be huge in this game. If the defenses show up to play and get stops, Marist could 
very easily win the field position battle just because of special teams. Yeah, and this Carver-Columbus team, the Marist defense really has to show up. They're the highest scoring team in 4A, averaging 43.73 points per game over even Sandy Creek. The Marist offense only ranks fifth, which is still great with 37 points, but that number three defense that gives up 10 points per game has to show up. Yeah, let's take a look now at the uh, 4A bracket. Um, so we we mentioned that Marist game, top right quadrant. Um, the potential quarterfinal matchup for these two teams, uh, Marist and Carver-Columbus, is against uh, Perry and Oconee County. Oconee County is a very good team to wa- watch out for. Um, last week they had a great performance against uh, Northwest Whitfield, I believe. They put up 41 points on them, uh, winning that game very handily. Um, this team's led by their quarterback, Max Johnson, the LSU commit. Um, very good offense uh, down there in Athens. And if they can win this week and Marist wins, Marist will be traveling to Athens the day after Thanksgiving for a quarterfinal matchup. Um, down in the bottom right quadrant, a big thing to look for here is the one seeds are both out. Um, Burke County got beat by America Sumter, I believe it was 13-6. to and then Madison County pulls a big upset over Ridgeland, twenty-seven to twenty. I we knew that the one seeds weren't good down there. We didn't know they were that yeah. bad. Yeah, and that um, that America Sumter upset was in the bracket uh, according to Maxwell ratings. That was the biggest upset. They were a twenty-point mm-hmm. underdog against Burke County. Um, they just beat them thirteen to six. That's a weird score to see. Yeah. Like not not a lot of and, offense there by Burke County. And we said in bracketology that the winner in that Denmark Sandy Creek game is almost guaranteed to um go on to the semifinals, and right now it's looking like a smooth path through, smooth sailing for Sandy Creek. Easy wins. It should be all the way to the the semifinals, and that's big because they are a two-seed. They play in the Cartersville region, so if Marist makes it to the semifinals, it'd be a coin flip that I don't think has happened yet to determine home field advantage, or um, if Carver-Columbus or Oconee County were to make it, those teams would host. On the other side... The uh the stack side of the bracket over there on the left, um Baldwin and Blessed Trinity, uh Blessed Trinity I believe is favored by twenty in this game. I know I know Marist is favored by sixteen by Maxwell ratings over um Carver Columbus, and I'm pretty sure it's twenty for uh Blessed Trinity uh over Baldwin. Baldwin pulled a big upset over Cairo last last week. That was not expected. Um, we take a look up there for the, that bottom left quadrant semifinal matchup would be against the winner of West Lawrence and North Oconee. That's, that, that's been said by a lot to be probably the best matchup in 4A this week. Um, both those teams are very good, and West Lawrence is a team everybody needs to watch out for because they are playing hot. Yeah, and the thing for North Oconee, though, is last week they played without their quarterback, Bubba Chandler, he has a short shoulder injury, um, but their their backup quarterback uh, ran for 192 yards and three touchdowns. So he kind of replaced the role pretty well. Um, but that should be a factor in this game versus West Lawrence because I think that'll probably be the best team they face all season, other than Ocoee County possibly. Yeah, and West Lawrence is uh, favored by 13 in that one. Um, Blessed Trinity is favored by 25. Uh, top left, two games that are not expected to be close. And it looks like we might get our matchup of Cartersville Woodward in the quarterfinals. That, that's that's going to be the best game. That's going to be a great game. That's going to be an awesome Ooh. game to watch. But 
Woodward's favored by 31 over St. Pius. <laughs> um, rightly, right, rightly so, though. St. Yeah. Pius has not played well um, most of the season. Wait, so we're, we're they, saying that Pius is not going to upset them. Uh, that Woodward's going to be that, playing I'll, against Carson. I'll say that. Um, but St. Pius looked very, they, they did look very good last week against Heritage Katusa in a game that was expected to be close. They blew them out, and that's not easy to do when you have to travel four hours away to oh play a game. Oh, my God. They got a ring goal. Um, that's like basically Chattanooga, where that was last week. The, Woodward's offense is just so good. They were up, <laughs> they were up 40 to nothing on Upson Lee <laughs> at halftime and then won 40 to 14. So it's, they're so good. Um, I don't think St. Pius can contain that offense. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. And their quarterback's going to UCF, right? Yes, Mike Wright. And then Cartersville-Thompson. Thompson has um, pulled an expected win last week over uh, Hardaway, but not expected to be close this week. I believe it's a 28-point favorite for Cartersville. Um, so not too many uh, thrilling matchups this week, but I, w- I would say watch that North Oconee-West uh, Lawrence matchup, and then if it... Uh, games play out like we expect. This uh, quarterfinal matchups will be Ooh, absolutely yeah. amazing. Um, so now we're going to shift um, gears into picking a few of these games. Um, standings coming into this week. Uh, Connell is 39 and 19 uh, regular games. Upset Pixies 2. Let's go. And uh, fi- 2 and Still 5. First. <laughs> 45 points. JP and I are tied for a second with 42 points. Um, He's made a comeback. JP's JP, on the comeback. I don't JP, even get it. Oh, at eight. I don't even have an upset pick. JP in regular eight. games is 42 and 16, but he's still 0 and, 0 and, 0 and 8. 0 and 8. Um, but I mean, the fact that yeah. I'm 0 and 8, you have nine more points than me from the upset picks, and I still was able to tie you. I, I'll take it. Upset pick it's plague a, is still, it's just, it's, still it's prevalent here. It's expected now that JP gets his upset pick right. It, it really <laughs> is. It, um, it really is. Who, well, whoever I yeah. pick, do, they don't want me to pick them because they will yeah. lose. I'm 33 and 25, but three and three and five on upset picks. But uh, let's pick a few of these high school games. First off, North Oconee West Lawrence, probably the game of the week in 4A. Connell, who do you like? Um, I got West Lawrence in this one. Their quarterback is really good. AJ Mathis, he, he threw for 2,101 yards in the regular season. Um, and that offense, they're, they're, they're a passing offense. They throw for about 220 yards per game passing and about 210 uh, yards rushing. So actually, they're not just passing. They're about balance, I should have said. Uh, and that's, that's just crazy offensive output. I don't know how you're stopping that. Yeah, West, so West Lawrence. Yeah, I'm going to take West Lawrence as well. They have a really balanced offense, and they won their first time. They got to the 10-win mark for the first time since 1994, and I say they get to the 11-win mark this week. I say they beat North Oconee. Yeah, it's big stakes on the line for North Oconee, though. They've, they've only been a program for 16 years, and they're trying to make it f- to the quarterfinals for the second year ever in their um, history. Uh, as you said, Bubba Chandler, uh, the shoulder injury, not sure if he's going to play this week, but Adam Wainan, uh just carried the team last week with almost 200 yards rushing and three touchdowns. I, I b- believe Chandler's going to be back this week, though, but I think Wes Lawrence, that offense is just too tough to st- stop. I think Wes Lawrence wins in a close one. Um, next one we're going to pick is... Uh, Oconee County and Perry, that matchup is in the top right quadrant. That's the... Uh, the winner of that matchup faces the winner of Marist Carver Columbus. JP, who do you like in this one? I really like Oconee County in this one. I think they're just the better team. 
And really throughout the season, they've been proving themselves with big wins. Boswell, Jimmy Boswell has 1,020 yards rushing on the season, and they're just playing incredible. Even on defense with Justin Coleman and Cam Lewis, they each had seven tackles and a forced fumble last week. They're playing incredible football on both sides of the ball, and I think they're too complete of a team to lose to Perry this week. And I, I'll also go with Oconee County because uh, this is the first time uh, since, and no, first time in three years that they've won a first-round game. Uh, Oconee County has. So they're building off that momentum, and this is the first time since 2001 they've had a 10-win season. So I think they're just hot right now, and they're building off that team morale. So I think they're going to continue it and beat Perry. So Oconee yeah, County in this one. You better believe both both of these teams are very pumped up to uh, to uh, be playing in this matchup. I mean, you mentioned the uh, streaks that uh, Oconee County has had failing in the playoffs, and then Perry hasn't been to the second round since 2007, so for one of these schools to make those quarterfinals would be a huge deal. I do like Oconee County, though. The final matchup we're going to pick for this week is Blessed Trinity versus Baldwin. Connell, who do you like in this one? Uh, Blessed Trinity by a blowout. Baldwin's under 500. They started the season off 0-5, but you know they did they did end on a high note, going 5-1 and to finish the season, but Blessed Trinity, that's just a dominant team. I don't I don't see how you could pick them against Baldwin. No explanation needed. Blessed Trinity. Yeah, I think you know, <laughs> I, I can't disagree with you on that. I think Blessed Trinity um, wins this one not in close fashion, but be careful. There could be some upsets. It's it's high school football, and you never know what's going to happen. Um, we're going to move on to college football now and talk about uh, week 12, I believe it is this week, or week 11 in college football. Um, Connell, who's your uh, top five teams coming in? into this week. All right. Starting at number one, I'm going to go LSU. Uh, I don't think you really need that much of an explanation for that. Number two, Ohio State. Uh, Three, I'm going to go Clemson. I think those top three are just pretty much locks on anyone's top five. Maybe Ohio State, LSU, if if you're stretching a little bit. Four, I'm going to go with Georgia. And then five, Alabama. I think I agree with the committee on this week. I think it's a pretty fair ranking. And then one team to watch, Oregon, they're they're still they're in that playoff contention. They need to finish out the year and win the Pac-12, though, if they're going to be considered. Yeah, I got the same top five as you do. I saw the same thing you did last week, especially with Tua Tagovailoa going down. I have Georgia and Alabama flip, so it's LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, Georgia four, and Alabama at five. And when you look at this, my team to watch is going to be Penn State. Penn State has a big game versus Ohio State this week. While I do not think they will win, if they do win. They have a chance to be able to get into that top four in the playoff conversation. It's a little bit of a stretch, but it's definitely doable with this Penn State team and the, how they've played all season. And especially because that's a rivalry game. Rivalry games change everything, but you know, Ohio, Ohio State's kind of had Penn State's number the past few years. Yes, they have, and I'm going to agree with both of you and the uh, college football committee this week. Uh, not oftentimes that happens, <laughs> but I like the top five yep. this week. And my team to watch out for is Utah. Utah lost one game to USC, who is now ranked. They lost by seven points, um, but they've been blowing teams out. You mentioned Oregon, guys, but Utah's been blowing teams out that Oregon has struggled with. Utah beat UCLA by 45 points. They beat Cal 35 to nothing. They beat uh, Washington State 38-13, and Oregon had trouble with Washington State. And then they beat Arizona State 21 to three. This is the one team in the Pac-12 with a good defense that can help them win ball games. I think so. I'd be uh, careful of Utah. Don't rule them out. If they can win out, they got a chance to be in. 
Um, another team to talk about, especially coming off last week, is Alabama. Um, Tua. Tua. Tua goes down. He's out for the season with that hip. Connell, uh, what do you think about that one? I, I, You just hate to see it for him. And, you know, he's he's going to, I mean, I, I would I would be surprised if he didn't go to the, or uh, didn't go to the NFL draft, which I, I don't think he will. I think he's going to opt for the draft. That's basically what I'm saying. So that's his, that's the last play he'll ever play at Alabama in his career, man. What a career for Tua. Can we just say that? I mean, he's, he played fantastic. He, he is number one in college football in three categories. Now I think it's, uh, yards per attempt. And uh, I think it's like touchdown percentage or something like that. I remember hearing it on the radio, but he leads in college football in a couple of stats. And it's just, you hate to see a guy like that go down like, like that. And with a chance to, to possibly contend for the playoff, I think that's, I don't know if, if Alabama wins out, I don't think it's going to hurt their, their uh, possibility of getting in the playoff. Cause they won out. Right. But you know, it makes it a, sh- it makes it very more a lot more difficult to win out now because they have Mac Jones at the helm instead of Tua and that's that's a big difference right there especially against Auburn because of that defense yeah Tua's injury is huge for Alabama he's really been injury prone his entire career though when you look back to last year and this year it's really an unfortunate thing to see when you look at his as you were mentioning his draft status i dropped him from my number 1 quarterback to my number 3 quarterback it's really a big thing you need to be durable in this league i mean it's it's really unfortunate to see because he was been such an incredible player. Everyone loves to watch him. It's such an explosive Bama offense, and I just don't think it's the same offense with Mac Jones. You mentioned their yeah, playoff it's chances. Definitely not. Most They're- likely, they get into the playoffs as a four seed. But mm-hmm. now, do you think that a Mac Jones against LSU is going to be better uh, yeah. than a Tua Tagovailoa? I wouldn't say most likely they get in the playoffs. I mean, they it's got most they likely to, because no, LSU, Georgia no. has to beat LSU. They have to have a lot of scenarios uh, go not, their way. Not that much. They what, have, what, is, what do they? What do you they think? Have they have, to have, have LSU went out. They have okay. to have. That's pretty plausible. That's it. They have to beat at Auburn by. I would say double digits. Nah. I think they just beat Auburn in there. I think they beat Auburn. Beat Auburn in an LSU win in there. They need. Um. What else they, do need they need Ohio State to win out, kind of, because okay. a one-loss Ohio State probably gets in. Yeah, but them. that's very plausible too. These um, are all very plausible then, things that are and like then predicted they, to happen. They just they just need the committee to pick them over Pac-12. Essentially, that's the, I think that's going to happen if it ultimately if it ultimately comes down to that, and USC doesn't go on an absolute tear these next few weeks. USC, USC, no Utah, you mean? No USC. I'm talking about for Oregon. Oh. USC needs to have a really big week because they're one loss, or not for Oregon, for Utah, because Utah's one loss is to USC and it looked really bad in the past. Well, it's starting to look USC's better now. Ranked now so. Yeah, now it's looking a lot better. So that's what I'm saying. The USC needs to really um, show up these next few weeks to give Utah a real push in the and, cup playoff conversation. Let's let's go to if Alabama does make it in the playoff, right? If those things happen, they went out, which a lot of people say the Auburn game for Alabama or said at least before that the Auburn game from Alabama was going to be easy, but it is not. You saw it no against longer. Georgia, that defense. Ooh, that defense is good, especially against the run, which is going to be their main their main offense now that they have Mac it Jones. It is their offense now. And, and I mean, as as an Alabama fan, you know, it hurts to say it, but Mac Jones, I mean, he's nowhere near to attack by low. You, he you don't even have to be an Alabama he's fan strugg- to say I mean, that. Yeah, he struggles on 10-yard passes. He, he's just not very accurate. He hasn't really developed that much in his three years at Alabama, which... I mean, it's and now he now he's now he's in the lead of the offense. But and I think this does come up in a committee conversation. Do you put in a Utah that I think has a no. chance again? Do you, I mean, when you look at it, 
No Tua. I think, I think Alabama might need Oregon to win the Pac-12. I'm just saying that because then they have the ability to say Oregon lost to Auburn. But if yeah. Utah wins out, yeah, I think, uh, they might have some issues getting in over Utah. Well, I mean, even then, the one loss Utah has is to USC, right? Which is looking better now, but it's still not good, right? Because that was their third-string quarterback when they, pl- when they were playing Utah. They had their third-string quarterback in. One thing I will say, though, is when you look at it, I know you want to defend Alabama, no, just I'm, just look being, at I'm it trying from, to be objective no, no, here. I know this, but when you look at it from this perspective, if you have Alabama winning out, can you really be the college football committee and look at Alabama and say, even without Tua, this is a playoff team? Uh, I don't think over, I don't think I, they're gonna I don't think they can keep a team out of the playoff based on one player. That's right all I'm right now, I think Alabama's still better than Oregon. I'm I don't know about Utah though. Alabama's That's the defense thing. scares me. Nachi Harris is the one thing that really keeps I just them don't in that know. top five I, for me. I can't I can't really compare Oregon to Utah right now. Um we're gonna move on to some picks to wrap up this week. Um first off, uh college game day at uh Columbus this week. Ohio State, Penn State. Uh this is a big one for the big big ten, Connell. Uh Ohio State, I think. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Ohio State's kind of had Penn State's number the p- past few years. They've been down early in the last couple of games, but they've come back, let a comeback often in the fourth quarter. I don't even think they're going to need a comeback this game. I think they're going to be ahead. They haven't shown any signs of vulnerability this year. Uh, so I think Ohio State's going to win. Chase Young is back, and Ohio State is going to win, I believe, in this game. When you look at it, Chase Young's going to come back, and I think he has another multi-sack game. This offense cannot be stopped for Ohio State, and I think Ohio State cruises to a victory over Penn State. Um, 18-point favorites is Ohio State. That seems like a lot to some people. I think they cover. Think, I think they cover. I think Ohio State is so good on offense. It's not your typical Big Ten team uh, where it's defense first and then let's put up some points to just barely win a game. This is a team that blows people out because they got defense and they have offense. They're probably the most balanced team in the whole country. I think they win by... 21 this week at least um the next game we'll pick is georgia texas a&m uh this one is a big one for georgia just they gotta keep their playoff hopes alive going to the sec championship i think uh i think georgia just based on the way alabama beat them uh, georgia obviously they don't have quite as an electric offense as alabama does but they still have a great offense especially their run game i mean deandre swift he's like looks better than ever and jake from is is tightening it up. You always see that toward the end of the year. Fromm usually has about one, one maybe two bad games a year, right? That was a South Carolina game. Then that's out of the system. And then he goes back to, to Fromm where he executes in big situations, makes big passes. So I think they're going to do the same thing against Texas A&M. They're going to win. Yeah, I trust this Georgia run game. I trust Jake Fromm. And I definitely trust this Georgia defense. This Georgia defense has played incredible all season. And I think that they win and they win big against Texas A&M. I don't know about big. I th- I mean, it's a 13.5-point spread. I think Texas A&M might make this one uh, close. I know uh, Alabama uh, just cruised over Texas A&M, but this Texas A&M team isn't a team to look over. I mean, they, they beat South Carolina handily last week, so um, that was a big game for them. They're coming in on a uh, four-game winning streak after that Alabama game. I mean, they beat Mississippi State, Texas, uh, Ole Miss, um, and then a big win over South Carolina. I wouldn't look over them. I think that they might cover it. It'll probably be a 10-point um, game, but I think Georgia wins again. And our final regular pick for this week is Texas Baylor. 
I got Baylor. I don't at the beginning of the season. If you told me you're gonna pick Baylor over Texas, I would have been like, mm, shoot, that, that's crazy. I don't think you know. But based on the way Baylor played against Oklahoma, even though they lost, this team's legit. I didn't think Baylor was legit at at all. I think at the beginning of the season, at least, or coming into that game, and they they proved it to me. I think they can definitely hang with with the big players. And Texas has fallen off. They just don't look as good as many people thought they were gonna be. So it's a turn of the tide. Uh, Baylor's beating Texas. Uh, I still don't think Baylor's good. I don't think anybody in the Big 12 is that good. I think Texas wins this week. Ooh. I think Baylor... I mean, Oklahoma just played horrible to start that game. I, I wouldn't say it was all Baylor playing well. I would say it was Oklahoma playing poorly. I think Oklahoma could compete on national level. I don't think the same about Baylor. I think Baylor would get blown out against uh, most of those top 10 teams Yeah, but in the we're country. talking about Big 12 matchup. I know. Big 12 I, still th- I still think Texas is... Uh, I mean, they haven't played well in all their games. They've had close games, but I think against the big teams, Texas comes out and plays well. I think they win this week. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Cello. I'm going to go with Connell and take Baylor. When you look at it, Baylor dominated that first quarter. I mean, it was not even close. Against a really good Oklahoma offense, they really shut them down, and um, Oklahoma's defense is not great. But Baylor was putting up points. Charlie Brewers played incredible. And I don't trust this Texas defense to be able to stop Baylor enough for Baylor not to win this game. I'm taking Baylor. JP, 0-8 coming in the week on upset picks. Who are you taking this week? I am taking Temple. They have won the last four games they've had versus Cincinnati. They're in a must-win in order to get into this division. And Temple defensive end Quincy Roach. He's the AAC football defensive player of the week when you look at how he's performed the past two games 18 tackles nine of them for lost and six and a half sacks and that's just in two games this is a really strong temple defense and when you look at Desmond Ryder he's really coming along uh I'm sorry Desmond Ryder um for Cincinnati he's come along a lot better but when you look at it last week 14 of 33 with an interception he's not looking great and when you look at the running back, <coughs> Ramon Davis for Temple, he's played incredible all season with 724 yards on 148 attempts. He's averaging five yards a carry. And don't forget, Temple has that signature win over Memphis. I think they beat the ranked Cincinnati. As far as me, I have Indiana over Michigan. Hey, this team, they're 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 silent in the Big Ten, but they're making they're starting to make some noise. They lost only by seven to Penn State last week, and that was a great game. They hung in there. Uh, and and almost pulled it out, and they're playing Michigan, who notoriously, you know, they they've looked better as the seasons got on, but you know, Harbaugh, always... Harbaugh, he might slip a bad loss in there. You never know. Um, but you know, the way Indiana's been playing, and Michigan always gives me, I always get kind of iffy about Michigan. So I'm gonna take Indiana over Michigan in this one. My upset pick for the week. Um... I thought about two games. I thought about Colorado taking down Washington because I don't like the way Washington's been playing. Uh, Eason has really underperformed uh, this year, and they've struggled against bad teams. But I decided to switch it to Illinois over Iowa. I really like the way Illinois is playing this year. They are playing some of the best football they've ever played in that program's history. Their coach is doing a great job up there in Champaign. And... uh Iowa, they come off that big win. We saw what Minnesota did coming off that big win over Penn State. I, it's just something about the Big Ten. You win a big game one week, you come back, and it's hard to 
hard to do it again the next week. I don't think Iowa can put up the same performance as a week ago, and I think Illinois wins in that one. Um, That'll pretty much do it for this week on the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in um, again. And uh, as we said at the beginning, Marist, Carver, Columbus, um, Friday, 7.30, down in Columbus. I know a lot of Marist people can't make it down there. It's a long drive, but NBC will be there to bring you all of the coverage. So be sure to tune in to the NFHS Network at 7.10 for the NBC pregame show. And then uh, Mr. Etheridge and Mr. Novak will be back on the call um, 7.30 time. And uh, it's going to be a good one, second round of the playoffs. So be sure to tune in on the NFHS Network. Thanks, everybody, and have a great Thanksgiving break.